whenever I think change is coming, and it, it has to come. There is right and there is wrong. We're living in a world that should be of freedom, equality. In order for us to move forward, we have to stop hate. We have to end racism. Bring awareness to help your kids. The next generation of athletes. The world needs love right now. Any chance we get to, to correct our wrongs, we should speak up. We're not divided. We stand together. If we could come together as a people and understand what our history continues to teach us is that love will overcome all the fear. Lift every voice and sing till earth and heaven ring, ring with the harmonies of liberty. Let our rejoice. What up, what up, what's going on today, people? It's a Monday. We're going to claim this as a holiday because the Super Bowl got some people with a hangover, especially if you're a Chiefs fan. Yes. What up? This your boy, Daydream. And your boy, Steven. This is the Cosh Potato Podcast, and man, we got so much to talk about today. Um, just a little bit, obviously we're going to talk about the Super Bowl, but we're going to talk about other football news, the NBA news, the Major League Baseball, Little College, and we're going to talk about how, not how, but why stepdads are winning and regular dads aren't. <laughs> anyway, um, so how you doing today, man? What's up? I'm good today, man. Did an 11-hour shift and then came straight over here. When I say... I am flummoxed and tired today. I am tired. But 
I am here on a good note because somebody ding, owes me lunch. <laughs> yep. Um, the the plan was the Chiefs was going to win and he was going to give me some Chipotle, but it's going to be the other way around. I'm going to be getting him Chipotle. So, going on record tomorrow, I'm we going Chipotle for lunch because I got I got something to do today. Tomorrow we're going to Chipotle for lunch, and we're gonna hang out and you know talk 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 about uh, what's gonna happen next week. So clearly, the Chiefs lost, and it was not the game that we all expected it to be. Unless you're a Buccaneers fan, it didn't matter as long as the Buccaneers won, right? Right. So Super Bowl forty fifty was it fifty five? Yeah, 55. Um, Chiefs lost 9-31. to And what are your thoughts on the game? First of all, brother, I love you, but you need to go back to third grade with your Roman numerals, my man. Um, <laughs> but <clears throat> like I had said before and I told people before, that front line of Kansas City was going to determine how well they can produce. And with all the changes, I don't think they were adaptable in enough time to make the appropriate changes to make the plays. Because I'm sorry, I'll admit, we won. But if Mahomes had protection, we probably would have got decimated because he still was able to get the passes off to people that were in the open. But they were people he was passing it to that he didn't even really bond with. He couldn't get to Tyreek Hill. He, get, he couldn't get to uh, McCole Hardeman or Kelsey like he wanted to. So, he had to rely on other people. Other people had to step up, and, boy, they did not step up at all. Yeah, um, and the, the thing is, I think the reason why this game kind of kept people on the edge of their seat because Pat Mahomes has been here before uh, down, by, by, down by two scores, and we, we kept waiting for something to happen, and it never happened. So, we we got to give a shout out to the Buccaneers defense, especially the secondary in coverage, because they was not going to let Tyreek go for 13, 269, and three touchdowns again. They made sure of that. They played, I want to say, two deep man, two deep zone, any, any way that Tyreek Hill was not going to get behind him. And when he did get behind him, Antoine Whitfield Jr. knocked the ball down and was like, Nah, bro, not today, not 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 this day. Um, other than that, it was like, you know, as a quarterback, and your line is blocking, you really only have three seconds. The fact that Pat Mahomes had five to six seconds, sometimes longer and longer than that, and nobody still got open, that is what you call a coverage sack. Because again, Tyreek Hill, he had three catches for thirteen yards. Travis Kelsey, I mean, he was he was the only bright spot. He had 10 catches, uh, I believe, 133 yards receiving, but no touchdowns because the Chiefs couldn't get in the end zone. So, what, other than the Buccaneers winning, what, what else can you take away from the game? I, My biggest thing I took away from the game is the fact that Mahomes is going to break records for possibly being the most accurate quarterback ever once he gets a good receiver set because a lot of those passes he threw within range of catching, and they were impossible. Like, the dude 
scramble for his life, and it was three touchdowns. I would tell you, three touchdowns that could have been had, but because he didn't have that experienced receiver catching it, it it threw off it threw off his game. But another takeaway from the game is the Chiefs need to bolster up on their defense. What he was getting blowed out at was the fact that Tom Brady manipulated them going into the middle, and our run game was good. They need to be able to find a good guy who can break down, break up the run, and and slow the pace down. Also, Kansas City became one dimensional. They on they pass most of the game. Don't do that. You you are a quick striking team. Run the ball. You can eat up a little clock. Bait the defense a little bit. Get Todd Bowles out of that. Let's cover Tyreek notion. Keep running that ball and make him change it up. Then once he changes it up, boom, you have your mama with Tyreek Hill and you back in the game. But because you kept it lateral, you played it the way Todd Bowles wanted you to play. Keep passing that ball and ignore the run. And that's explains the downfall of the whole game. Yeah, my takeaway from the game was that it goes to show you how important it is to have a number one receiver on your team. And that is what the Chiefs do not have. Um, That's... I'm not going to say that was the reason why they lost, but Tyreek Hill is not a number one receiver. Sammy Watkins is probably the closest thing to a number one receiver, but even at Clemson, he was number two to D-Hop. Um, Miko Hardiman, not a number one receiver. Pringle, not a number one receiver. I mean, I can keep going on and on. Robinson is not a number one receiver. Like They have no number one receivers on their team. No, no receiver that that sets sets himself apart like the Buccaneers have. Buccaneers have two number one receivers on their team. They have Mike Evans and Antonio Brown. Now, I mean, if I'm Pat Mahomes, hey, I'm looking at, hey, how can I get Antonio Brown? Just saying. Or I will look for trying to get a number one receiver. You, You know, just a thought. So, what did you think of the halftime show? <laughs> I knew it was the weekend, but it looked like the weekday. And I couldn't finish watching it. It was like trying a new food for the first time and the texture wasn't right. So I couldn't really finish watching the rest of the halftime show. Uh, if you did, you can give your thoughts. But to me, I didn't finish. Yeah, the the weekend felt like Monday. <laughs> just put it like that um, and I only watched it because I was at a neighbor's house um, so watched it and I was like like we like we couldn't find nothing positive out of his 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 um, halftime performance um, and to be honest like I don't listen to The weekend, and the only songs that I do know like I've heard like in spurts like I've heard like in the mall or something and they played it they're like oh it's the weekend like oh he has a song out didn't even know like honestly the only song that I've heard that I've really heard was from the movie 50 shades of gray and that was probably the highlight of that movie because that movie was trash in itself anyway so the 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 weekend I mean felt like a monday like his his little um, little bit he did with James Corden uh, was a lot better than the halftime show. So, and then even my wife pointed out, it was like, man, he's stiff. I'm like, he's Canadian. 
<laughs> he's Canadian. Like he's Canadian? Yes. And that's why. So will will Pat Mahomes get another chance at Brady? Me personally, it's possible. But I don't see it happening. I'm just like his one chance to conquer, I say quote unquote his demon. Not saying that Tom Brady is a demon, but that's one of those things that's going to haunt him. Like, this was his opportunity. And then, like I said, it wasn't just on Pat Mahomes. It's, it's almost like Steph Curry playing without Klay Thompson. You know, um, it, it's it's all on his shoulders to try to do it because, you know, your, your, your key piece is not there. So, so what do you think? You think you think Pat Mahomes will get another chance against Brady? I personally feel that if Brady does stay in Tampa, you know, this is all up to him. He won another Super Bowl. If he does decide to stay, Mahomes is going to have a chip on his shoulder. It's one thing I know about my boy Mahomes. If you beat him once, he ain't going to let you beat him again. Um, personally, I think he will have a second chance. Would I go 14-2 and two to get to it? Nah. I think it's going to be like a 12-4 and four situation because they're going to learn how to rest. Um, learn how to rest some of their best players and have a have a preseason this year. Yeah, Mahomes gonna get another chance at Brady. Will it be an overall victory like this one? I don't know. It might be a close game, but the way that kid looked after the, after this Super Bowl, he got a chip on his shoulder, a real bad chip. Like, yeah, I need to work on something. I need to talk to my boys, and we need to get this this ship sailing like it's supposed to. Yeah, I mean, honestly, all they really need is a number one receiver and probably get not, – not necessarily say get better on the defense, but, you know, add some pieces because there's, there's nothing wrong with their defense. They just, you know, ran up against uh, the, the, the Tom Brady Buccaneers. <laughs> so, um, uh, Steve came with a, a good question. Um, as it pertains to the Buccaneers and Tom Brady. And I'm going to give my thoughts after he gives his. Um, but he asked the question, who, 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 you know, who took who to the Super Bowl? Was it the Buccaneers that, that got Tom Brady there? Or was it Tom Brady that got the Buccaneers there? I'm going to let you go first. Yeah, I was thinking about that a while for a while now. And everybody was like, man, Tom Brady's a GOAT. I would give him credit. He performed awesomely. But I look at it like this. I think we took him there because we were already formed. We already had our weapons available. And he was just that missing piece. Now to add the cherry on top of the icing is the fact that we picked up Leonard Fournette. Grunk came. And we got Antonio Brown. No problem. Now with that being said, there were times where as a Buccaneer fan, once we turned the ball over, we Form quicksand quickly. Like, we just like, eh, here's another another turnover, another loss. You know, no offense to James Winston, but when you go 30 for 30, it kind of knocks the win out your defense. But now here's a man that comes in. He has this staple of winning. And you know he's sta- he has this staple of winning. So guess what? It's going to overcome you and it's going to overpower you and you're going to want to win. You're going to play hard every time. Despite the fact that he's been sacked, despite the fact he threw his hammer down, despite the fact that he's probably thrown three or four picks throughout the game, your defense 
We'll get him back out there and give him another chance to score. Now, one time this season, have the defense was just like, oh, really, Tom? Come on. No. When Tom made the mistakes, he ate them, but the defense came out there and said, hey, we're going to give you another shot and another shot and another shot. So do I believe that it was the Buccaneers that took Brady to the Super Bowl? Yes, I do. Because normally as a fan, when we made our mistakes, we just sat there and just wallowed. But because of that man coming to us, it gave us some – Something better to look at, something better to uplift us, and we played harder. And because we played harder, we got him there, and we won. Yeah, um, and this is where I disagree. Uh, he, I, I believe Tom Brady got the Buccaneers there. It wasn't a Peyton Manning in Denver situation. This was Tom Brady still believing that he could play at, at an elite level, and it showed that his last year in New England, his receivers could not get separation. So even with them getting um, Nikhil Harry, who who could be a legit number one number one receiver on a on a football team, can't get separation. That's a huge problem. And Tom Brady coming to, to Tampa Bay and showing that hey, I'm not gonna beat the Mister Thirty for Thirty because I believe he threw like thirty eight touchdowns or forty touchdowns, twelve interceptions throughout the season. Like you know. You know, of course, they added more pieces, you know, with Antonio Brown, Leonard Fournette, you know, they added DeGrunk. You know, Tom Brady was the reason they, they, they got there. Now, in the now during the playoffs, I will say that the Buccaneers defense played lights out. They really did play lights out. And honestly, in that Green Bay game, I believe that Tom Brady was just throwing the ball just to make it interesting. Like, hey, is Aaron Rodgers? Let me make him look good. Shoot. I, will, I was hoping he'd do the same thing for Pat Mahomes, but he said, nah, I don't trust him. <laughs> 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 he, might, he, might, he, he, might, he might actually put up 40 points in, in two minutes. You know, not saying that that ever happened, but, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's crazy. So I'm, I'm not mad. You know that the Buccaneers won. I'm, I'm not. I'm not one of those people that that is a hater of a player because they're winning or they're successful. Um, and and I and I'll say this to before we go on. So, but you know when when Kobe first came into the league, I thought he was an arrogant dude. Like really thought he was real arrogant. But then watching his work ethic and him putting the work in to get to where he is. Changed my mind to so much so that, shoot, I became a fan of Kobe. So, before you just write off somebody, and it's the same with Tom Brady. A lot of people didn't like Tom Brady, but his whole motivation is he was a six-round pick and was number 199 in the sixth round. That's his motivation. And 21 years later, he got seven rings. You know, how, how many how many number one, uh, number one overall picks have seven rings? Don't worry, I'll wait. Cause it ain't many. <laughs> Actually, there is none. Goosey. So, before we talk about more football stuff, uh, let's talk about this. This stepdads are winning, and I bet you're probably wondering how do we handle it. I'm gonna let Stephen go first because he 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 brought it to my attention, and you know we. We don't want to just talk about sports. We want to talk about stuff that everyday people deal with. You know, he and I both are stepfathers to teenage daughters. 
Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> um, so I'm going to let him go first. So tell me how you doing in, in the stepdad department. It's difficult, but it's a it's a beautiful process, you know what I'm saying? But I was just thinking because when you have a stepchild and they begin to show certain traits of their biologicals or their biological parents, it, it's a sensitive area because you don't want to make that biological parent or there's a negative force or make fun of it, you know, make it seem like they're impure because of who they parent are, parents are. And the reason why I feel like we're winning is because we go above and beyond with that. And as a step-parent, I feel like sometimes we we have access to taking that break to reevaluate how to approach our stepchildren. Now, I'm only saying stepchildren in the scientific term, but on a genealogical term, they're my kids. That's our daughter. That's Daedric has his daughter. But I'm just speaking on just on what's just for face value, and it's um can be overwhelming sometimes because we as stepdads have have to make certain decisions to ensure that the uh, the children in our life that are not biologicals become the best version of themselves. And we feel like being a third party, because we are a third party, we have more access to tools to better build their character, but sometimes it can be a bit rough. But at the end of the day, we're winning because at, they're going to find out who all is on their side. And when they find out who's all on their side, they're going to appreciate and love what you brought into their life and gonna cherish that forever. Yeah. So here's my take on why stepdads are winning. Because at first off, I don't want to make it seem like the fathers that are in their children's life is not doing what they're supposed to do, right? It's the ones that decide like, no, this not for me. And that's cool. If if it's not for you, you know, my thing is don't sleep with her. Or wait till you get married. Um, however, you know, in in reality, things happen. And in in a sense, children are born. So with, with, with my oldest daughter, um, like I said, she's not my biologically born. I tell you, she is my carbon copy to the T. She likes the same color that I like. Uh, like some of the same foods. Like, she acts just like me, and you swear up and down that, man, that like, it, it's so crazy that we also have the same spiritual gifts. Like, it, it, it is crazy how in sync that we act just alike, and my wife, it gets on, it gets on her ever-loving ever nerves. <laughs> She'd be like, oh, why y'all the same person? And and the thing is, like honestly, people people would never know because my oldest child looks, you know, looks looks like her mother. So they think, hey, we created her. I'm be like, all right, cool. So, you know, with that, you know, th- there's gonna come the time where you have to, you know, let them be themselves, and you know, just just give them the boundaries that they need to 
to be to be good human, you know, to be good human adults because the world is going to be nasty toward them. And Very. us as fathers, we have to prepare them for what the, what the world is going to throw at them. Um, my oldest daughter, she does chores around the house and she sometimes likes to make suggestions on, you know, doing this or doing that in the kitchen to kind of help her out. And, you know, if I, you know, try to explain to her, like, what happens when you're actually working in the real world? You think someone's going to be like, hey, can you do this so I don't have to do this? They ain't going to care. I mean, I, I go to work now and people can't do something as simple as fill, fill, fill the truck up with gas because they're ready to go home and they don't give you a proper turnover. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's, it's stuff like that. But I'm not going to be like, hey, my man, can you can you put gas in the truck next time and get below half a tank? No, it is what it is. You know, just do your job and roll and roll with it. So, our jobs as fathers, and I'm taking out the step because that doesn't doesn't matter when they're in your household. You know, they're here, and our job is to raise them up to be to be good human adults in the world that's going to treat them cruel. And we we have we have black daughters, so the world already hates them already. So they already have a strike against them. And because they're females, you know, they're going to be treated a certain way or they're going to feel like a man can try to get over on them. But, oh, they got some fathers over here who 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 know the game very well. And some mothers, can't forget the mothers, who, who know the game very well to where that they're going to already be prepared. So stepdads, yes, we are winning. And the fathers that walk out on their children, I like to say thank you because I would never have been able to meet in the amazing daughter that you've created. And I'm going to leave it at that. Mm. So Brett Favre and coach Dick Vermeil have given their comments about Deshaun Watson wanting to be traded. Dick Vermeil has came out and said that it's said that he's doing this because Deshaun Watson has a good reputation as far as, you know, in college and being in the league and things like that. And Brett Favre has also came out and said that that you know you know you get paid to do a job, do it. Mm. When the the coworkers around you are not pulling their weight or not doing their part, I mean, would you still want to work for that company, or would you try to find something better? You know, that that's my take on it. Deshaun Watson doing what he's supposed to do. He, he he's not going to shut up and play football. Like, can we get out of that mindset of players that are just going to sit there and be like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm going to shut up and play football. I'm going to just, you know, honor my contract. No. No. No, we're, we're not going to sit. And I'm saying we as like, because me and Stephen have both played sports. So, you know, we don't want to be part of something that where, like, the organization is not doing what they're supposed to do. The Houston Texans organization is horrible. Very horrible. Jesus they Christ. They are at the bottom of the, they're like the bottom of the dumpster juice that's in the bottom of a dumpster. That little drip drip that comes out the dumpster after it's being emptied, yeah, that's the Texans organization. No, nah, they the, they're the dumpster juice inside of the truck going to the trash yard right now because it's just sitting in fumigating, picking up more residual funk because they just don't know when to give up. Like, like I'm, 
I mean, I'm, I understand that the Texans want, wants to run a a well tuned organization by getting some good boys, some good image guys that that will you know make the team look good. But I'm sorry, you need some rough riders. Period. You pass on Marcus Peters to get Kevin Johnson. How did that work out for you? Oh, he got traded. Like you pass on Patrick Willis. <laughs> you pass on uh, Khalil Mack. Got Jadavian Clowney. How did that work out? He not there. He went to Tennessee. He he wanted to go to Tennessee just so he can go up against the Texans. But Jadavian Clowney was a different case. He's not as good as everybody claimed he is. You know, he's he's only good for three quarters. Ask, yeah. him, ask him where's that fourth quarter at. He had one good game where he had one, some phenomenal highlights in one good game. I looked through this guy's history. He was quiet for most of the season. But he had one good breakout game. And that's what made him what he is. But the Texas organization is like, I, I don't know who's worse, them or Detroit, because they constantly are making bad decisions which affect the chemistry of the team overall. So whatever happens from this, I'm telling you now, the Texas ain't going to be worth talking about in the papers for a while anyway. Yeah, and also Deshaun Watson is prepared to sit out this upcoming year now. He's willing to probably buy a total. He's willing to miss out on $40 million if he sits out the whole year. Then play for a team that's not willing to put the right pieces in place for, for him to be successful. You got Larry McTuntle, but he he has more holding calls than probably anybody in the league. Titus Howard, he's getting somewhat better, but he's coming up, I think, his third year in the league. Uh, I think for the start of the season, you know, and like you got to get some better linemen. Nick Martin is not Zach Martin, as we can tell. Zach Martin is the better center for the Cowboys than Nick Martin for the Texans. Like it's, 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 it's so much that people are overlooking. Like, and you want your quarterback to be happy. And he's not happy, so do your best to accommodate him. Obviously, you can't get no picks for him because you gave him to Miami for Larry McTunsil, which I think was stupid. And you got rid of his best target. That says a whole lot because he wanted more money. Pay him. Just simple as that. So, uh, Fitzpatrick has ensured that Tua is a quarterback of the future for Miami. Um, I guess we just got to wait and see. They got the number three pick from the Texans. <laughs> they better, um, Tua better stay there. Um, I have had the journey of working with Fitzpatrick, and sometimes he's Fitz tragic, and then he's Fitz magic. But the guy can read folk and can train folk to be consistent. Um, Tua needs some tuning up. He does. It shows that he does. He just needs to be tweaked a little bit, and he can lead Miami somewhere because they, they, they are putting their faith in him. I can see it. Um, when you sit up there and your and your, sec, and your backup, who is Fitzpatrick, decides to sit back and let you play the game for a while, and then when you come short, he explains to you what's going on, and he, he gets in there and teaches you your little twinges and tweaks you need to do with yourself. And I really believe that 
Tua should stay in Miami, and Miami shouldn't draft another quarterback. He has the vision. He just went behind the eels. That's all I see. Yeah, I, I don't think Tua's going to go anywhere. I think that uh, from from what I've seen, uh, Tua probably needs a number one receiver. Um, maybe, maybe uh, another lineman. I know the Oregon has a left tackle that's supposed to be coming out. But, I mean, who do you pick at number three? Do you get Devontae Smith if he's not gone? Or do you get the lineman? Well, if Devontae Smith goes one or two, well, he might be going two to the Jets. But because Trevor Lawrence is going to Jacksonville. So you, you, if you get this lineman, um, I can't pronounce his name, but if he's available for two of the pick, pick him, pick him. Trust me, it'll definitely add to the roster. Because, gee, the Texans could have got him. Oh, yeah, that's right. They traded for him. Anyway. <laughs> so, so, this next topic, I kind of want to wait to talk about, but I'm going to talk about it now. So, what also came out about the the trash that is Chad Wheeler um, also resisted, uh, resisted arrest from police officers and even assaulted them. So, my question is... Why is he still alive? Steven, your thoughts. I'm going to let you go first. Why is Chad Wheeler still alive after he assaulted a police officer and resisted arrest? Do I have to go into details? Please do. <laughs> it's called privilege, my guy. <laughs> it's straight up privilege. I mean, I'm sorry. We still have a privileged thing in America. And if anybody decides to contest me and say... White privilege doesn't exist. You're wrong. Just because you sit up there and be like, I came up on my own with my two bootstraps. White privilege does not qualify you to be rich. White privilege qualifies you to be covered. In certain circumstances where other races have been found guilty of. I was watching uh, a documentary about something. And it shows that people of color are more likely to be Killed or assaulted in white people. Chad Wheeler was an NFL player who was sought by police. And when they saw who he was, they gave him every act of patience in the world. But yet, you have all these other black folk who all were willful and compliant. Like, if you notice, the media has been quiet about Philando Castile's situation. And he was... Compliant dude shot him dead in his chest, and he was in the passenger side. He gave him no flag, but yet you have this Wheeler guy who assaulted a police officer and everything, and they gave him the most benefit of doubts. There's no way you could sit up there and say, "Oh well, he was just having a rough night." No, he was white, and he had his white guy card, and he used his white privilege and privileged up the whole spot, and it was like. Well, we don't see no threat with him. He just threatened an officer. He hurt an officer. So to sit up there and have the asinine idea to think that it's okay, he assaulted the officer, but he's going to get better. He's already giving you signs that he's going to be trouble, and you choose to ignore it. Why? Because he's white, just like everybody else who's been around him like that. That's just my take on it. Yeah, been, been trying to be diplomatic as possible with this situation. Um, Ray Rice, 
you know, in the field through the book at him. And he still became an ambassador to, excuse me, to talk to players about, you know, hey, domestic violence and things like that. Domestic violence is a real thing. And because of the his girlfriend was black, oh, we're going we gonna to turn the other turn the other way. Oh, but let that be a black man, though. <laughs> Resisting arrest. I saw the police officer. He getting shot 12 times. Easily. But oh, because he was white. And he may have had a bad night. Mm-mm. I'm pretty sure everybody in America, everybody that's an adult, because everybody's not a man or a woman. Everybody that's an adult has had has had a bad night. But they're not going out and assault police officers. They're not going and resisting arrest. So, come on now, police in 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 Seattle, do your job. They don't want to. Yeah, because they hate us because they ain't us, and. That that's something else I'm gonna say for another week to talk about. I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna talk about maybe if not next week the following week about why white people hate black so much, and it goes back to the beginning of time. It goes back to the beginning of time, so it, it's it's gonna it's gonna make your mind blow. You're gonna be like, wow. So be ready for it. So the Hall of Fame class has been announced. And, you know, obviously, I mean, the obvious ones, we knew who, who were going to be first ballot, which was Calvin Johnson, a.k.a. Megatron, Charles Woodson, John Lynch, Alan Fanica, Drew Pearson, finally, finally, because he only got, what, three Super Bowl rings with the Cowboys. No, I'm sorry, two with the Cowboys. Um, Tom Flores, finally, and Peyton Manning. Yeah. I, I have a problem with one of them, though. Which one? I love my boy Calvin Johnson. I love him. He's a great player. He's a great player. I just think they should have waited another round for him. Um, He did produce certain numbers, but there were other players out there that could have made the board. You know what I'm saying? But I'm happy he won it. First ballot. It's cool. But I just really think that he they could have waited another year. I'm sorry. You can't coach six five two thirty and run a four three in the forty. You know how many times he's been double team and triple team and still catching the ball over everybody. Oh yeah, I, I and I, don't I, I don't get me wrong. I seen the man play. I know the man's stats from the front and back of my hand. The guy is awesome, but to 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 me, and I'm just I may be a little biased. I just feel like. That first that first ballot should go to folks of championship caliber. I'm sorry. Like, I may be a little one-sided here, but I personally feel like Ronnie Barber should have been on there. I really think that. You know, he has a Super Bowl. He made the plays he had to do. His, re- his resume is just as good as Calvin Johnson. The, but the, the Hall of Fame is not based on rings. I'll say that. Because... What's his name? Um, Alan Fanica don't have a ring. He's the first ballot. Yeah, Charles Wilson does have one. He got it with Green Bay. I'm about to say, yeah, don't know. But 
And I mean, there there are a few players who are who are um, in the Hall of Fame that don't that don't have any Super Bowl rings. Chris Carter. I mean, but he wasn't the first ballot either. Exactly. Well, he was always going to be number two to Jerry Rice. I thought he was going to be number three. No, no, I'm, I'm I'm saying I'm saying during this time when he played. No, I'm not I'm not meaning like. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, I mean I mean during this time when he played. I mean, so. Aaron Rodgers wins MVP. That was a no-brainer. He put up the stats. He, 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 he put in the work. So he deserved it. Aaron Donald wins Defensive Player of the Year. And your boy, J.J. Justin James, what, is upset that his brother didn't win. Uh, I mean, I, I get it. You know, I looked at the stats and... T.J. Watt played one less game and still put up the numbers he put. He had more sacks, tackles for losses, tackles. But they play two different positions. You know, we don't talk about the quarterback pressures that Aaron Donald gets, how he's constantly double teamed and still able to do what he does. T.J. Watt doesn't get double teamed because he's on the edge. Yep. So, I mean, that's something that else that's, that's not being talked about. Um. Other awards that were given out, Offensive Player of the Year was Derrick Henry. He better got it. That's no surprise. That dude is a cheat code. And there's only like three or four players that are cheat codes in the NFL. Pat Mahomes, Derrick Henry, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, and I'm going to even say Chase Young. They're all cheat codes. (laughs) Like, they are, and Lamar Jackson, cheat codes. Like, nah, I I I don't want no part of that. Um, Justin Herbert won Offensive Rookie of the Year. Saw that coming. Chase Young won Defensive Rookie of the Year. Yep. Saw that coming. Comeback Player of the Year. It was no surprise that it was going to be Alex Smith. He had 17 surgeries and and just about as many infections that 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 went on. Um, Coach of the Year went to Kevin Stefanski for the for the Cleveland Browns. He turned them around. He gave them that chip on the shoulder. Now, for them to come back next season and do the same thing, they can do. I believe they can do the same thing even better because they most of their roster going to be healthy right. and they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, if OBJ can stay healthy, man, that's that's all that's missing. And and watching honestly, watching Cleveland this year, they did not look like the same Cleveland team. Cleveland teams are old. Oh no! When when they got down by a couple of points, they didn't fold. They came and broke the noise. I would give Baker Mayfield that much. And the rest of the team that much. They they didn't they didn't quit, um, especially when they jumped all over Pittsburgh in the playoffs. You know they didn't waver. Um, Baker Mayfield like he kept his foot on the, on the gas. And then they got two horses at running back, in Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. So, um, right now there are offers for Sam Darnold. Huh? <laughs> what? Yeah. Wait. Teams are offering for Sam Darnold. Who? I know. I'm pretty sure the Colts is one team. Um, I, but I believe I can't believe I can't think of what other teams are also offering. And also, the Panthers were willing to give up their number eight pick for Matthew Stafford, and end up still getting traded. Mm, no, I wouldn't have done that. Work with Bridgewater. Bridgewater. He still he still has the opportunity to come up and do what he want do what he needs to do. Um, he you needed to be able to build build around him. He was a good quarterback in Minnesota. That was Minnesota's mistake for letting him go. 
Then he went to New Orleans. Drew Brees got hurt. He helped them win the five games they needed to get into the playoffs. So the guy has potential. Give a man a chance. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, they're they above. But see, the thing is, what's happening is that all they're doing is making the price for Deshaun Watson that much better. If he if he is to get traded, which I believe it will happen, and it's really raising the stock. Ooh, excuse me for um, Dak Prescott, but I guess we just gotta wait and see. So um, we're gonna talk some NBA talk now. Um, what is up with Dallas? Uh, the Mavericks the other night, Thursday night, I believe, got. Mopped off the floor by the Golden State Warriors, and I kind of like what the NBA is doing. They're having teams play each other twice, so that way they're trying to cut down how much travel that goes on, which is understandable. But Dallas just does, does, just does not look good as a team. Um, I know they're waiting on Porzingis to get back healthy, and you know they I, they just don't look like the same team. Um, Dallas, whoosh, I, Dallas is another one of those teams that thrive on fandom, that thrive on the intensity of the game. Um, we had a discussion about this before where taking the fans out does have an effect on players, and some teams thrive on that, some teams live on that, some teams win because of that, and... It it kind of sucks because when you playing and you're playing your hardest and there's nobody really saying, go, 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 it doesn't give you that drive. So Dallas is in kind of a sticky wicket because, not going to lie, COVID really has messed things up for everybody. Um, so I hope that they find that they can, they find that they, they can do what they need to do within themselves without the help of the audience, and, and pull through. Yeah, um, but Dallas did make some noise uh, Saturday night, I believe, yeah, when they played the Warriors again. And even though Curry dropped 57, they they lost by a few points only. And Dallas almost lost that game just watching. But, you know, that's that almost only works in uh, horseshoes and hand grenades. <laughs> but... I was just like, like Curry's on a whole different level than everybody else. Like the way he gets his th- his threes off, like he he's he's gonna shatter um, Ray Allen's three point all, all time record. Like he he's obviously gonna get it next year, next season, um, unless he just comes out and make four hundred more threes this year, <laughs> which. Shoot, if he averaged 10 a game for the next 40 games, it's possible. It is possible the way he gets the, the way he gets his shot off. Mm-hmm. So there have been talks about Bradley Bill getting traded. I think he should get out of DC. Your, your, your sidekick, John Wall, is out of there too. Um I think they should get Westbrook out of there. Like they should just rebuild that whole team. Bradley Bill don't want 
I, and my thoughts was I don't think he should have signed that three-year, hundred-something million extension. He should have been like, hey, just trade me. So where do you think he should go? Wow. Uh, hmm. Oof. I think he should go to the Lakers. <laughs> Heck no. They already super powered as it is. No, 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 no. We do not need another, um, um, another, I don't even want to call it a super team. They're going to be the Justice League. No, we're not, I'm not going to have a Justice League Lakers. No. Well, the Warriors did it with Kevin Durant, so. And I didn't like that either. <laughs> that was a garbage water move to me, too. I do not, I am not a fan of having five superstars. I'm a fan of having five players that become superstars. Prime example, old Chicago Bulls. They had Michael Jordan, but Michael Jordan was surrounded by folk who knew they role and they all became superstars together. Same way with the old Lakers with Shaq and Kobe. Well, really, the Bulls only just had Pippen as a superstar. But you know everybody else from that roster, don't you? Do I? I mean, well, I know because I'm a basketball guru. But most people do know of the Horace Grants and all of of, of the team. They knew yeah, okay. who supported them. Okay, that, yeah, they know the Horace Grants, the Bill Cartwrights. But do they know the Jed Bushlers and uh, uh, the Paxons? Yeah, I, I, they should know. They should know his supporting cast. That's what I'm saying. Not everybody should be a multi-million dollar star on the team. And you made that Asinine suggestion of him going to the Lakers. No, LeBron does not need anybody else. They're fine over there. They are fine. If if you're making things like that, I might as well just say Brandon Bill needs to go to the Kings. Yeah, let me know how that turns out. <laughs> the Kings are the West Coast of the Wizards. I mean, uh, the West Coast Wizards. Yeah. Oh my God, my heart hurts. Can we made this. <laughs> um. Shoot, I mean, he could he could go to Dallas. That wouldn't be a bad. Now that thing. wouldn't be a bad thing. Let's see who who else a team. Um, I would say he can go to Denver, but Denver not gonna want to give up Gary Harris or Michael Porter Jr. No, 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 no. Um, Utah not gonna want to give up some of their players either. So I'm I'm just trying to think. What I mean. Of course, who wouldn't want to play with LeBron, though? That's why I slid the Lakers. I almost get his boy a heart attack. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. So I'm like, man, he already got AD, and they already done built something over there that's solid. And Bill in there, I, I personally think he's going to come, gonna mess up the camaraderie they got now. No, because Bradley Bill doesn't have to have the ball in his hand. He, he can come off screens because he's a better shooter than Wes Matthews, Alex Caruso. You know, okay. Um, but if I had a say in the matter of where he would go, let me guess you're gonna say the Clippers, huh? No, 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 no. I'm teasing. Um, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I can see him and Jimmy Buckets together. That don't sound bad at all because Miami got some rough riders, but I, I think they would have to give up Tyler Hero. For for uh, uh for, for Bradley Bill to go to Miami, and it shoot he can even go to Miami, not Miami, Milwaukee. Oh, him, him and Giannis would be 
Nasty. And Giannis wouldn't have to carry the weight of the team so much. Yeah, because Chris Middleton, I mean, he's he's average. Yeah. I mean, he did go to A&M, so that says a whole lot. Um, But I don't know, man. I mean, there's so many places he could go where he'll be a good fit. Obviously, I'm thinking about playoff teams and not just teams that's just going to end up being another lottery pick. So, Team USA is planning on having a Vegas bubble. You know, basically they have teams playing the bubble for their games and stuff, or warm-up games and things like that. Is it a good idea or is it a bad idea? I think it's I, I think it depends on if, if you know the, the players. Like, it's Vegas. So, everybody want to be in Vegas. It's this, you know, it's Vegas. You know, Sin City. Everybody want to go. Everybody want to do this and do that. So, it's, it's one of them things. Where, what you think? Um, I have to play it by ear just like you. Because when it comes to like the Team USA, that's a thing that brings the country together. You know? Even the most ignorant of people bond with the most hold, open of people. Hold my beer. Type of moments. And we all tend to bond around it. And to put them in a bubble kind of removes that camaraderie we kind of get from that. So hopefully by the time they actually do this bubble thing, enough cases of COVID have dropped down to safer levels to be able to play outdoors, to play elsewhere. Because sports is really taking a big hit because of COVID. Like seriously. And it's so frustrating because you you want to go to these games. You want to see your favorite players. You And then when you got Team USA, you want to sit up there and root for them and be able to see them and meet them, you know, and have the opportunity to see them practice and everything. So I would have to play it by ear. I wouldn't say it's necessarily a bad idea, but at the end of the day, if the opportunity arises where they still can play and we can still at least watch them, that would be cool too. Yeah, um, I, I mean, it, like, it really depends on the players. That's that's how it, that's how it always is. So, um, LeBron has came out and said that, um, you know, having an also game would be a slap in the face, or whatever. And kind of agree with him. You know, I think it, I think it should be like the NFL. You know, like just just have a celebration or, or give like honorable mentions and things like that. But more players are speaking out now. Like De'Aaron Fox has came out and said something. James Harden, Kawhi Leonard, Giannis is all they have all came out and said like, yeah, nah, we shouldn't have it. Which is it's, it's understandable. Like, why why have an All Star game if we uh players are already struggling now to deal with the pandemic, just playing regular games? Exactly. Um. I'm piggyback off what you just said. It's important to have the fans again. And the reason why is because that's that's the driving force of any sports is the people who love them. Having an all-star game with nobody there is completely pointless. Having a <laughs> having a dunking contest without anybody saying, ooh, uh, yeah. 
having all-star parties or whatever with nobody there, it makes absolutely, positively no sense at all. And, yeah, so I'm just like, no, don't have it. Just do the honorable mentions. Hey, this person, you know, let them pick their roster. And, and do. I believe the uh, NFL, I think they did, they did like a Madden game with the players forward, and they, they kind of let it play out or whatever. They should do it for the All-Star game. So that that's my take on that. Also, since we're talking about LeBron, can we just admire his greatness? Ah, Jesus. Be respectful. <sighs> LeBron James, in his 18th year in the league, still making magic happen. Still putting up numbers. They just beat Detroit in double overtime. He made two clutch threes. And... It's like, it's almost like it's, it's nothing new that he can do out there on the court. And instead of us bringing up the, well, it's not Jordan. He ain't better than Jordan and did it this and that. Just, just recognize his greatness. Like, LeBron James is doing what LeBron James does, and it is pretty awesome. Uh, don't, don't be a hater all your life. Uh, yeah, okay. Because, if, if, look, if that's the case, then let me start hating on Tom Brady. Now that he's a Buccaneer, now I'm playing. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> it's not that I, 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 don't, I have hate for LeBron. I, it, I don't, I'm, I'm going to exclude that. I don't have, I don't hate on LeBron. It's, I guess I'm a person who, I am not a fan of people, like, let's put it like this. Look, I love LeBron off the court. The guy is phenomenal off the court. His, his, his prospects to the community, he, he wants to build. He wants he wants to invest in our kids. He wants to invest in his kids. He wants to invest in everything out there that can help us become better people. I love that to the T. You're taking your money that they're paying you, and you are investing it in schools. You're investing it in neighborhoods that had high crime rates that dropped by half because you are investing. I wish a lot of African-American males like yourself would invest like that. And we wouldn't have these males out here who's acting like they acting. On the court, LeBron. Oh, my God. That guy I don't like. I don't. He's not that I hate him. I just don't like him. I'm going to be just like uh, this, too. I don't like Jordan, either. <laughs> well, I ain't got nothing to say. You feel the same way about Jordan? You feel about, feel about LeBron? No further questions, Your Honor. <laughs> when I, I I guess because the following of certain people can be overshadowed too much, it makes them seem superhuman. And in my mind, they're just great ball players. In my mind, they they've made the sacrifices. They have a job to do, and they're doing their job. And when we talk about these goat statuses and everything. I'm the type of person that knows that you're only going to be a goat for so long unless you create something or you do something so monumental to the game itself that folks have to follow precedent. And that's where I have my confusion with LeBron because I don't want to hate the guy, but the guy's on when he's playing. I'm like, oh, he's on the court, yeah. But his off the court stuff is leading precedent to his his stardom and to his success. And pretty soon, folks are going to have to follow what he's setting up because 
in the end, what he's doing now is actually going to work 10, 15, 20 years down the line. And other folks are going to see what he's doing, and they're going to start doing it. And then you got one person who's doing what LeBron James is doing. Then you have three. Then you have five. Then you have 12. Then when you have you do it so much where you have the whole, half the league investing, not just creating schools, but investing in communities and areas that need that. Then there's nowhere. There's the only way you can go from there is up, and that's where I love the guy. Yeah, well, LeBron on the court is doing something that that hasn't been seen before because he's six eight, two fifty, and runs like a locomotive, and is still playing at a high level. Question: Name me somebody from the two thousand three draft, two thousand three draft that's playing at the same level he's playing right now. Don't worry, I'll wait. Nobody, I'll admit. And the closest person, and he's playing horrible in Portland, is Carmelo Anthony. Everybody else is retired or uh, probably getting low minutes to or or on the DNP list. Mm-hmm. It means did not play. Or do not play. Will not play. Um. So Kevin Durant is going to miss some games because of um, – Safety protocols, and you know he's upset about it, but he'll be all right. So, two people from the capital are looking for some privilege, and what I mean by that is, the lady wants to flee to Mexico. I can't think of her name, and the guy that had on on the on the wolf clothing uh, wants some. I believe it's vegan food, or keto food, or something like that. organic food. Organic food. Jesus I'm, Christ! I'm like, dude. You're in jail. You don't get the same privileges as everybody else get. So, sit down somewhere. Moving on, because that's about all the time that they deserve. Uh, Duke is in jeopardy of not making the tournament. Now, I'm trying to think. The last time they didn't make the NCAA tournament was, whoo, probably before I was born. <laughs> that's a, That's a long run. Of them not making the tournament. Um, maybe, maybe they could get it all together and, you know, win the eight, win the ACC tournament, or at least, at least play in the um the championship game, ACC championship game. That that may propel them, but they they may have to win, they may have to win the ACC tournament in order to, in order to uh, get there. Speaking of which, Duke lost 91-87. I believe it was a good matchup. Duke just came up short. They were in the game. Um, but, you know, North Carolina got some big boys um, on their front court. They kind of they helped and propelled them um, get the victory. Also, Alabama, the men's basketball team, is making some noise. And... As as a projection looks, it looks like they will uh, be a number one seed. It's possible. It's possible. Who would have thought that the the Alabama Crimson Tide uh, would would be considered a top team in men's basketball? Haven't seen that happen in a while. You know why, right? It ain't because of Nick Saban. It's, uh, it's that V and that COVID. It's it's flipping everything around. <laughs> now they actually have a good coach. I was very critical of, of him. Um, 
uh, when you know, because he was he was at Buffalo, and now he's playing at Alabama for the SEC. Shoot, I, be, I believe he can be Coach K's successor um, at Duke when Coach K decides to retire, whenever that is, you maybe know. maybe twenty years from now. I don't like, know. You I know. about to say Coach K and <laughs> Coach K retiring anytime soon. That's he's going to be almost ninety five before he even takes a breath to retire. I don't know. So. Um, I'm going I'm to kind of breeze through these last couple of things uh, real quick. So, Trevor Bauer, because the rich keep getting richer, signs with the Dodgers. Oh, Lord. Hey, don't be a hater all your life. Um, Brewers add Colton Wong to their infield, and Dexter Foley gets traded from the Cardinals to the Angels. I wonder if they freed up some money when they got Nolan Arenado. That, they probably did, more than likely. Um, J.D. Davis and Anthony Santander lost their arbitration. Now, for any, anyone who don't know what arbitration is, it's for where a player, and, and I, I think this is only in baseball, to my knowledge, where a player um, gives an offer for a country he wants to receive for the next year who may not be, who may not be ready to sign long-term. And the team all get, gives their offer, and... The they guess that I don't know if it's a court order or how they do it, but uh, a mediator decides on if the player should get that much money. You know that amount. Let's say, for instance, if a player is asking for twenty million, but the team says, "Now nah, you only worth ten million. Well, the arbitrator or the mediator has to decide. You know if that player should get that amount of money and things like that. Well, both of these players lost it, so that means. They're gonna either sign whatever amount of money that that their respective team is offering, or get up out of there. So, Stacey Abrams got nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize. Uh, yeah, Nobel Peace Prize. She got nominated, and of course, there's some uproar. Also, the Black Lives Matter movement also got you know, nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize. Now, for me, I wanted to know how does one qualify or how does one, you know, get nominated, right? Because, you know, you, you got to do your research as to why this happens or that happens and things like that. So, the Nobel Peace Prize is awarded to the person who is, who is, um, who, who, who have done the most or best work for fraternity between nations for the, you know, Basically, doing something positive in the country, right? Doing something to bring people together, not separate them. So clearly, forty-five would have never got a Nobel Peace Prize. Um, <laughs> so, so people who are trying to bring unity to a country that's so divided, which, by the way, only fifty-six percent of America says that forty-five should be convicted and thrown in jail. That's, that that means that the other uh, 44% is like, nah, I don't think he should. It tells me there's still... Two different Americas. Exactly. So, yeah, that's crazy. Also, um, we're going to talk briefly about this sex trafficking in America. So, uh, watching the episode of Station 19, and that kind of went with Grey's Anatomy... And so, well, what happened was 
um, this guy had these two girls, black girls, white guy, had these two black girls locked in the basement, trapped in there. And so uh, the mother of one of one of the girls who was 13 on the show um, track, tracked her through her Fitbit watch or iWatch or whatever it's called. Um, and, and noticed that she was in there. So the uh, one of the girls decided to let's start a fire or something so they can try to get out, right? Because, you know, us as blacks, we are resilient. So we're going to do what we need to do in order to, to be safe. So, um, needless to say, they get out and they were part of a sex trafficking. So this white guy did everything he could to make it seem like, oh, this mother is crazy, he's doing this and that. And police show up now. For me watching the show, the police know your name on a first name basis. That's a huge problem. So the police are trying to make it seem like it was the it was the girl's fault trying to escape because they started the fire in order to, in order to save themselves. So what you're saying as a police officer, and even though it's just a TV show, it's a reality that goes on. So I am so overprotective of who my daughter hangs out with. And I'm pretty sure Steve is the same way. Yes, I am. Um, who they hang out with. And our thing, um, for me and my wife, our thing is always, hey, we need we need, we need, we need, to meet your friend's parents if that's your friend. Like, if you want to go spend the night or hang out, we need to meet their parents. And in most cases, you know, parents don't want to meet us because, you know, we as, we, we as Christians, we live our lives a certain way and we're not going to have our child just around anybody. Um, so, you know, me and my wife, we've, we've invited parents over to our house to kind of get to meet them, kind of get to know them. And we were like, mm, that ain't what we want for our child. Like y'all can hang out, play in the street or whatever, as long as y'all together. But for you to physically go over to their house, inside their house, can't do that because I know we live in society where there are a lot of single parents and you know, there's no father in the home. And so we have to be careful because it's a delicate situation who who we allow our children. Like even for my son, when he gets old enough to want to spend a night, like they can come sleep over here because they have nothing to worry about. It's, this is a safe place for them. But to, to let our child go somewhere where we don't trust the parents, no, that's probably never going to happen because of sex trafficking that goes on. I see my uh, oldest daughter's friend walking by herself. I'm assuming she was going to the grocery store or to the convenience store or whatever. But I'm just like, she should not be walking by herself. Like, it's it's crazy how she could have easily gotten snatched up. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it's a crazy thing to have to worry about. And But we live in this world where sex trafficking is a real thing. And it's a cruel sentiment. And I don't understand the predators and how they prey on young women and young boys too. And to prey on a child or to pull them, to snatch them up from what's their, what's their normal life and to create this hostile, unchangeable life because of some sexual desire, some sexual fetish, it, 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 it rocks me to the core because I look at all my kids as they grow and develop. And 
I see that they all are beautiful. But I don't see how could somebody be sick enough to see my daughter walking up the street and to snatch her and keep her hidden and to pass her around the country like she was a, a, just like a toy or something. That's To me, that don't feel right with me. It won't ever sit right with me. Yeah, and this whole sex trafficking thing that goes on, it happens a lot in America. Um, I know Highway 77 is the largest drug smuggling freeway in Texas. And, you know, they're not just smuggling drugs. Let's let's be clear about that. It's a lot that's going on. And we as parents, we as fathers have to always have our eyes wide open. That's why, you know, we're teaching our daughters how to, you know, beware of your surroundings. You know, beware of who you're hanging out with. Beware of who you call your friend. Even when they have their phones and stuff, they're, they're on their phones, right? And they're not looking around to see if anybody's going to snatch them up. And all it takes is one time for somebody to just snatch and grab them. And bam, you know, where's my daughter? Nah, player, I'm, I'm, I'm moving, moving mountains to find my child. Well, my children for that matter. So final thought, and we're going to get out of here. If Black Lives Matter movement and Stacey Abrams getting nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize upset you, but Chad Wheeler almost killing his, his girlfriend, probably ex-girlfriend now, assaulting, yep. assaulting police officers and not being thrown in jail and things like that, and he and he gets bail, only 400000 on bail, and that doesn't upset you, America, we have a huge problem, and it needs to be dealt with accordingly. I'm going to piggyback on that, on that final thought. Life isn't complicated. We make life complicated by making others' lives complicated. Do you see the simplicity in this? Do good, inspire to be good, become great. Shut down, shut down the bad things. Shut down the evil people. Shut down the people that want to do wrong. Do not encourage the haberdashery and bull that's out there that keeps us divided. If the, if there are two groups out there winning peace prizes because of the moves they're making to make our country better, roll with it. Be happy about it. The first thing you want to say is something about race. No, just be like, that's great. And because of the, it's because of ideas like that, ideologies like that, we're going to continue to have this problem. Stop making our lives complicated. Stop making your life complicated because you're trying to be complicated in someone else's life. Yeah. Um, like a man beating a woman up because he can't hack it as an NFL player because he's a moving turnstile or his rating is a 60 on Madden. That says a whole lot. You'd probably like a second or third string. Um, you know, you beat your girlfriend up and you have the audacity to say that, oh, snap, you're still alive. Set, and and no one sees a problem with that. Hey, here's an idea, white people. The same way y'all feel about, you know, the uproar of, you know, voting fraud that you claimed that that was going on during the election. 
speak up on white men beating up on black women. Oh, well, because it's not happening to uh, to y'all white women is, you know, we we gonna we gonna overlook that, right? Wrong, wrong is wrong. Speak up. This your boy Daydren. and your boy Steven. and this is the Cush Potato Podcast. And until next time, we are signing out. Peace. Peace.